Hello, you are listening to the DMZ America podcast for Friday, February 23rd, 2024. Coming to you from the left, I am political cartoonist Ted Rawl. And I'm political cartoonist Scott Standis coming to you from the right and coming to you from... Turn it up. Um, Boy, you got a pretty mouth. (laughs) I'm coming to you from Alabama, which is... Okay, obviously breaking, not breaking news, but news this week and ridiculous news, preposterous news. Um, On multiple fronts, uh, on the life and death fronts. Yes, we are so pro-life that embryos now are considered children. And we're so pro-life that we're going to literally suffocate a human being to death for a crime. Because it worked out so well the last time. Well, he he only had convulsions for about 10 minutes. Right. Some by some reports, twenty-two depends on who you count. Uh, <laughs> apparently, he was gasping for breath. The last, I mean, for people who missed this, uh, the the state of Alabama, for the first time in the United States, um, a, a, anywhere anywhere, executed someone using a novel form of electric of execution called nitrogen um, uh, epoxia. And what that is a fancy word of do of it's a fancy way of saying you suffocate a human being to death. You put uh, nitrogen gas, you put a mask over their face, you put nitrogen gas in there, and basically uh, nitrogen gas is air minus oxygen. So you basically you need oxygen more than you need nitrogen. Well, you need the you mix. do, and um, so without it, you immediately go into stress uh, distress. This was warned by many scientists. It's not done even by veterinarians. It's considered unethical to use to uh, uh, euthanize animals. But anyway, they did that. By all accounts, the victims struggled uh, prodigiously, depending on whether you're talking about a few minutes, because they don't. apparently there's not a clock in the death chamber. So people have to kind of estimate how long it oh, took. Oh, God, if only there was some kind of device that we could wear on our persons that would actually apparently tell Apparently you're time. not allowed to bring those in, is uh, what I read. Oh, so, I bet because they can take photographs. Oh, that's probably true. So uh, anyway, they don't. So the point is that some the longest the reports ranged from four to 22. I would say the most credible was like around 10 minutes, like you said. Um, It probably seemed like longer, uh, I would imagine. It was apparently a horrifying experience. So the state of Alabama has decided they're going to do this again. And my home state of Ohio is uh, apparently like thinks that this was a very successful experiment and they want to do it, too. Um, so that it's, we're off to the races with that. And then the Alabama state Supreme court, uh, has ruled (laughs) in a really interesting case that really ought to be kind of a tort, I think. But what happened was that a, uh, sort of through oafish clumsiness, uh, lab workers accidentally destroyed, broke, dropped, actually, they dropped frozen, uh, embryos that belonged to a couple, the couple, uh, filed suit against the lab, and the the uh, the state of Alabama Supreme Court ruled that uh, this was uh, a violation of Alabama's law that considers all unborn children, aka fetuses, to be fully protected human beings like adults under the law, and therefore um, that the the lab is guilty not only of negligence but conceivably of uh, murder or manslaughter, I guess, in this case, maybe. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. Let me, um, and I really do. I live here in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, have worked at the Birmingham News for 13 years before I moved on to the Chicago Tribune. And now we've moved back to Alabama. So yes, I know, and I know most of the players, and Tom Parker, who is the chief justice of the Alabama Supreme Court, um cited the Bible, and I'm not kidding, as part of the rationale for this legal decision. I mean, that's really unheard of. The law that Ted... Well, it's um, totally heard of in theocracies. Well, yeah. You know, if it's Sharia, uh, we'd probably be <laughs> quoting the Quran. But uh, we're at the moment, for the moment, we are not. So um, Tom Parker is the chief justice. Tom Parker is, Ted, what's the technical term? Damn it. Um, it's a legal term. Starts with a T. No, it starts with an I. Um, <laughs> idiot. Yeah, that was it. Idiot. Well, there's a synonym and, that starts with a T. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to we we watch that. our language here on the fucking DMZ America podcast. That's right. Um, 
Anyway, so Tom Parker has been, he was associate justice. He was a dipshit then. He's a dipshit now. And he's the one who cited the Bible as part of his legal rationale. The law is not a new law. The law is from the 1870s. And ostensibly, it was created because some jackass beat his then pregnant wife to death. And so they wanted to pile on. And if you do this, then you're going to be charged not with the death, just the death of the mother, but also the death of the unborn child. And in fairness, this is not a unique to Alabama type scenario. There are no, but the but the rationale and the logic behind supporting it and saying that embryos in a dish are human beings, uh, that is peculiarly Alabama. There is just an update, Ted. There they just introduced a bill that today to get rid of that part of the law and to say that, you know, fetuses in dishes are not human beings. In other words, to make an exception for pe people who are seeking in vitro fertilization. I mean, right. all, it's a all very, of those clinics are on hold today. Everyone it's in Alabama, a, it's a major, for reasons. It's, a, it's big business, for one thing. Um, it's very lucrative. A lot of hospitals make a lot of money doing this. So I would There imagine. is a cartoonist, we we both know, a conservative cartoonist who, um, let's just call him Mike Ramirez because that's his name. His family's involved in that business, by the way. Just oh, so really? You know, and it is extremely lucrative. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's not, I think these days it's like $50,000 uh, for per, per um, round. And there are people who do it multiple times. Brooke Shields famously did it half a dozen times. So, I mean, we're talking about big bucks. It's not generally covered by insurance, you pay out of pocket. So, you know, the, the hospitals love that. Uh, they just get that sweet, sweet cash. But also, I mean, you know, it it reflects um, some major changes in our society, which is uh, people are having children later and later. Um, and, you know, I don't know if it's a chicken or egg thing. Part of it, part of the reason, certainly IVF makes that feasible, uh, where it used to be, look, there's a huge quantum drop-off in fertility that occurs at various steps. On average, women uh, experience a, a substantial drop off at the age of 21, then at 28, then at 34, and then it falls off a cliff after 41. And like, yeah, everybody knows someone who knows someone who got pregnant when they were 48. But the fact is, it's like basically impossible. The reality is if you want to get pregnant, you, you know, if you're in your late 30s, you may find yourself at an IVF clinic. Um, and there's surgery involved. Often women have endometriosis that has to be scraped away. The eggs have to be harvested. That is a surgical procedure. Um, the, uh, the, the, the woman who's uh, going to carry the child has to have the um, fertilized blastocyst implanted or multiple ones implanted, depending on the calculus of the uh, fertility doctor. But usually they do two uh, in, in most cases, and then they hope that one makes it. Um, and then you end up with a lot of excess, usually, typically, some extra fertilized embryos. Um, and then it's like the idea is, well, we can go back and do this later. We can try again. If this one doesn't take, we have like four or five. And then you pay a fee to a lab, uh, typically $1,000, $1,500, $2,000 a year to keep them on ice, basically. And now the funny part is about this Alabama ruling is, followed to its logical conclusion, um, if you paid to have your fertilized embryo kept at uh, you know, UAB lab, and let's say you died, and then you stopped paying your bill because you know your dead people are horrible deadbeats, um, <laughs> then they, under the law, it seems to me like under this ruling, that UAB would be legally required to keep the, your embryo on ice forever literally forever. Otherwise they would be, so literally the embryo can live thousands of years, but you on the other hand, don't have that privilege. Right. And it also, I mean, it begs so many other questions like, um, you know, at 16, if they, when they turn 18, are they adults? Um, Good question. That's like that. That's like we're coming up on leap day next week. And there's that whole thing. Like, you know, if you were born on leap day, are you, you know, if, are you really one fourth of your age? Well, and the, you know, so for the embryos, can they vote when they turn 18 years old? Can they, um, like I said, can they be draft? Do they have to register for the draft when they turn 18? Do they have, can they drink when they're 21? Uh, the, the, 
you know, it just gets more and more ridiculous. And people would say, Scott, that's absurd. That's just, you know, now you're just being silly. I go, no, I mean, these are legitimate questions. Well, we're already in the silly them. zone. I mean, yes. here's the thing I do believe, but you know, but Scott, you are pro-life, right? You are pro, you are anti-abortion. You do believe in, correct me if I'm mischaracterizing your position, but you are consistently pro-life, which is to say anti-capital punishment yes. and, and anti-abortion. So you're, but you, but as a libertarian, you don't believe that the government should be making that decision for women. So basically you would rather women choose not to do it, basically. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, and and uh, I, I don't like criminalizing anything only because, well, the state's so bad at, <laughs> at prosecuting people. Um, so yes, that would be, and, and that, you know, we're going, that dovetails into the fact that Alabama now has, you know, is, is suffocating. Why, why, why do the gas? Why not just have some big guy with a pillow? Yeah, no, seriously, <laughs> garroting would be faster. Just use a wire, you know, like the mob. Does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is, and I suspect that part of the death penalty or psychology them. is to make it as, well, shooting, firing squad is, is second fastest, second only to, vive la France. Like guillotine. We oui. <laughs> No, the um, guillotine is first of all foolproof. I've never heard of anyone surviving it. <laughs> I know you don't hear. <laughs> and it doesn't like the blade was a little rusty. That doesn't matter. Yeah, or the head's still talking. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, that, that does happen. <laughs> they say that, but the the uh, science. I've read articles on this because it's it really is an interesting. Is there still a level of consciousness? And there's not. The shock that goes through is the brain would be unfunctioning well there was a guy who was guillotined during the the reign of terror during the french revolution where he um made arrangements with a physician uh and he and the physician said please signal me like by blinking your eyes a certain number of times if you uh you know if you if you still feel anything and he did okay but that all right but the um Scientists today believe that that was just a reflex that the, the brain cannot function for more than a few seconds once it's removed from the rest of the of the body. Right. No, I'm sure it's not for very long. But um... anyway, anyway, so yeah, we should have the guilty. I, I the death penalty. I mean, here's the thing: if you're a conservative, I don't. I never understood this, Ted. If you're a conservative, how is it okay for you to say um, the state retains the right? of life and death over you. The state that is often wrong about that determination, right? Well, I let's mean- just skip, Let's just forget about right or wrong, wrong convictions, which there, you know, you and I both know has happened. Um, this is just handing the state the right to kill uh, one of the citizens. It makes me extremely uncomfortable on so many levels. First of all, morally, I think the death penalty is abhorrent, and I believe that a Christian state like Alabama, uh, if you brought Jesus back, he did not, I don't think he enjoyed being the victim of capital punishment. I no. have to believe that he would come back and say, you know what, guys, it sucks, it hurts, it did not serve as a deterrent because apparently there's two at least- because well, he came what, back four three days later billion. anyway. Yeah, to say, huh, nah, 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 nah. Um. I don't think he said that. I just made that part up. Um, anyway, and he was um, just and he was just as sassy when he came back. Yeah, didn't fact, change he, his beliefs. Wasn't like, yo, I'm 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 on I'm on Team Augustus now, bitches. Yeah, well, it's a lousy deterrent. <laughs> so it's like actually, capital punishment is a they find it is a lousy. Deterrent. It's a completely non-existent. Yeah, no, I mean you can and you can tell that really quite simply. By the fact that the states with capital punishments are the ones with the highest crime rate, right? Yeah. And the yeah. highest murder rate. Yes. Yes, we do. Um, in fact, Birmingham, Alabama is one of the highest homicide rates in the country. Mm, Boo, yeah. Um, I guess they would so, argue that it would be even worse without capital punishment, maybe. That's, um, and that's, that's, that's of course, the, the murder rate, the homicide rate in the United States when the Supreme Court ruled that um, the death penalty was cruel and unusual, unusual punishment. So we went, what, a little over a decade where they could not have capital punishment yeah. and mm -hmm. murder rate, it made no appreciable difference. None. Mm -hmm. Zero. Made no difference. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, here's the thing, Scott. I mean, I think there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, I guess, first of all, there's just the practical issue. I mean, I can't, look, I think life begins at conception. That's science. As soon as you have cellular division, I mean, don't tell me that like, if you have a, 
if you if if you're a woman and you have an eight a, a fetus that is eight and a half months old, that that's not a baby in there. It is. It and it's viable. And if it was taken out, it almost certainly will make it. So the question is, we don't really know where to draw the line. Uh, when the Supreme Court did uh, Roe v. Wade in 1973, they sort of settled on viability as sort of a you know what they called the quickening back in the old days, um, as sort of the place to mm. land on this as a political compromise. But you know that that keeps changing because medical science keeps improving. There have been premature children born as young as three months. Uh, no, no problem. Um, well, I shouldn't say no problem, well, but big problem, but big problems, but they're, you know, they're alive and functioning today. So, um, you know, it's that it's, that's not a very useful metric, I think. And I think, I think I keep coming back to like, quite frankly, it's like the law hasn't caught, not caught up with the science and we do have to fundamentally, fundamentally admit that it is killing people, but maybe that has to be okay. Uh, because women, otherwise women just can't control their destinies. Um, and we can't have that. Well, here's another part. And you're right. There are a lot of pieces to unpack here. The anti-abortion um, legislation that all the, especially red states rushed to pass shortly after Roe v. Wade was shot, after doubt, Roe v. Wade was shot down, is that the laws are so badly written um, that they are almost incomprehensible. They're written by, again, idiots and not physicians, not professionals. They didn't uh, consult I, with physicians, or I. They may have asked someone at a bar. I mean, that's what this legislation reads. It's so stupid and so far-reaching that OBGYNs in Alabama are leaving in droves. And in fact, I know I've mentioned this to you before on this podcast, but it bears repeating. Uh, Shelby County, which is a county I live in which is just south of Jefferson County, which has Birmingham in it. But Shelby County is growing pretty quickly, but they just shut down uh, Baptist Hospital Shelby County, just shut down its birthing center, which was the last birthing center in the county of Shelby. There are numerous counties in the state now that have shut down their birthing centers. And this is, these aren't centers, they may or may not have been performing abortions, but these are just generally places where you know you go and you have your baby. And there are nurses and doctors who are proficient at that, you know, at that particular event. Um, so this is the price we're paying for just having ludicrous laws that are rushed through the legislature that no one bothered to read, you know, quote <laughs> from Nancy Pelosi. I'll know what's in it when it passes. Um, that's another element of this story that, you know, Alabama does not allow abortions. They're, they're having, now they're having, um, you know, they want to move the number, the weeks up where you can have any kind of procedure whatsoever. But you and I both know, and this is coming from my heart, that there are, you know, there are women who get in a medical position where the pregnancy is not viable, but forcing that woman to carry that effectively dead fetus to term is inhumane and unnecessary. Um, now legislatures are moving very quickly to try to ban the morning after pill, which even the Catholic church is pretty, is kind of okay with. Um, and this movement as Ted has brought up in other podcasts, you know, IUDs and, um, uh, birth control pills and condoms. I mean, all of that stuff now is on the table for these ultra conservative Taliban like <laughs> Christians who want to control your body, your decisions. I don't have a problem with birth control. I think that, that, again, that's a personal decision. Technology, we didn't have that technology back in the 1870s. You know, uh, when some the law that they're basing this preposterous embryo law here in Alabama on. Um, my point to tie things up is I strongly oppose the federal, any government entity telling me what I can and cannot do. By turns, I think there is room for some kind of regulation in this stuff, but because I'm not a batshit crazy libertarian. But what happened here in Alabama is not, you know, you know, Ted, you know, you know that there are other states that are going to look at this and go, damn, that's a great idea. Let's do that. Oh, yeah. No, for, for sure. For no other reason. There's no reason for it. There is absolute. I mean, this was, you mentioned the case and you're absolutely right. It was a couple and some dipshit working at a lab dropped their embryos. Because it's Alabama. Oh, whoops. <laughs> he slipped, slipped on a goober. Um, 
anyway, yeah. So there's some things about Alabama is one of those weird states that it's really when you drive through it, it's gorgeous. The people are incredibly friendly, um, hardworking, industrious. Uh, our unemployment rate is one of the lowest in the country. Um, but because we continue to do stuff like this, I mean, doesn't this doesn't this resonate with you, Ted? A little bit of the fire hoses and the Jim Crow and the well, I mean, Alabama has a bad reputation. I mean, you know, it it's, deserves it. It's it's it it does. I mean, you know, people like literally when they hear the story, they just roll their eyes and they say, oh, Alabama, in the same way that people maybe in Alabama, when they hear about something like crazy woke happening in California, roll their eyes like, yes. Oh, yeah. what do you expect? Or, you know, people hear about tax something, you know, some overreach in Taxachusetts or whatever. So, I mean, yeah, that's like, that's the reputation they've got. This isn't helping. Uh, it certainly doesn't make you think that they're, I mean, it's kind of like, I think most, the view here is kind of like, if people want to, in Alabama, want to be pro-life and have laws that are against abortion, maybe that's okay. But this kind of thing seems really extreme. I mean, after all, we're not talking about abortion here. We're talking about IVF is a process in which people desperately want to have children are willing to pay a lot of money and endure a lot of discomfort and trauma and even risk cancer to have children. So this is a very IVF is a very pro-life thing, right? It's yeah. very pro-life. Um, it's like two. Yeah, extreme. that's fair. I mean, yeah. you know, that's why it's kind of interesting what's happening in Texas where there's these lawsuits, right? Where they have these draconian laws where you can't, you know, like you basically, uh, anyone who tries to terminate a pregnancy, even if the the mother's about to die, can't get medical care. Um, and most of the women who are suing are people who wanted desperately to have children. Some of them actually got pregnant through IVF. They paid for it, but then they learned that you know there was either an ectopic pregnancy or some other threat to their lives. And unfortunately, tragically, sadly, horribly. The term the, the, they need their doctor said you got the kid's going to die anyway and we've got to take it out otherwise you're going to die too and they can't get medical care and some of these women have actually come close to death i mean that's not pro-life right that's like insane what is how you can't say you're pro-life if one of the aspects of your criminal justice system is tying someone to a gurney and suffocating them. You you lose the right to call yourself pro-life. You by the way, I love how they say not. it were I love how the, they, the the district attorney for the the attorney general for the state of Alabama said we have now done it and we know that it works. I would submit to you, Scott, that if let's just say everything had appeared to go really smoothly, one time is not a scientific study. And no. They did do it one time and it didn't it didn't go smoothly. It didn't go smoothly but it worked. Uh you know it's yeah, funny it as I, I mean but like you said you could pound someone to death with a rock. I mean yeah. you know it's a, success. I mean, the Taliban do it, it works. Yeah. Yeah, it does work. Um you could have a firing squad. It was weird. Do you remember Gary Gilmore the first he was the first execution after the uh, Supreme Court reversed its 1977. And do you remember his last words? Just do it. Let let's do it. Let's do it. It let's supposedly it. inspired the Nike logo. Oh God. You think no, so? <laughs> that's that's lore. I don't know if that's true. And so for the firing squad, real interesting side note. This is in Utah. And you have volunteers. Can you mm -hmm. fucking imagine people would volunteer? I get to shoot a person. Um, why anyone would? Why do you think someone would volunteer? Because there's a lot they, of freaks no, out they there. They don't get paid. They get paid like fifty bucks. Oh, and... so it's not like like ten thousand dollars. No, no, no. And there's five. If I'm remembering correctly, there was five, maybe six, maybe seven, whatever the number was. And one of them is given a blank. But they, but when you when you're familiar with guns, you know when you're firing a blank. You know when you load it. You don't know when it fires because it has the same amount of gunpowder, so it still has the same amount of kick and smell and smoke. Um, but you know the presumption is that the person who, you don't know who had the blank, so you right. can kid yourself and say maybe I, I, maybe I didn't really, except for the fact that of course you showed up and you were willing 
to shoot yes. that person. How weird so. is that, man? I mean, could you, do you know any, is there, okay, here's a question for our listeners, both of you. Um, <laughs> do you know, is there anyone in your life that you know who would volunteer to do that? Ooh, that's a good question. I think there is. Yes. I think I know one or two people who would yes. volunteer for that. I think so. I think I know a few people who would do that too. Yeah. <laughs> not me, we're not, right? We're not, you're not one of them. <laughs> okay. And I'm, and I'm not one of them either. You are um, definitely not one of them. You couldn't pay me enough. I mean, it, I don't care if you paid me a billion dollars. I'd be like, fuck off. No. Um, no, I don't want to kill somebody. Why would I want to do that? I mean, no, I mean, I'm, I'm against it. Look, my reason for being against the death penalty is twofold. First of all, if anyone has ever, innocent has ever been executed, by definition, the whole thing is is morally bankrupt, and they have. We know that. Um, but also, the state should set the highest standard for behavior, not the lowest. And that's why they should be treating all citizens humanely, with dignity, and they shouldn't be murdering people. Murder is literally the worst thing you can do to another human being. The state shouldn't be doing that. The state shouldn't become the worst people in the world. And that's what they they, they become yep. when they murder people. It's not even like under Sharia, which you mentioned, they have a better system. At least it's based purely on vengeance. And like the and the survivors of the murder victim or rape victim in the case of Sharia law are allowed to, uh, they're asked before the sentence is carried out, are you sure you want us to go ahead? And they can say yes no, in which case the person is released, or they can say, well, I, I would rather something in between, um, like they can go to prison for some time or something. And so so at least, you know, it's the state serving the interests and the opinions of the relatives. In this country, the relatives of the condemned, uh, of the victim, um, could are often completely against the death penalty, and it's carried out over against their will. Yeah. Well, there's that, but there's also, I mean, you just mentioned, I did not know this was Sharia law. Apparently I believe in Sharia law because I, one of the alternatives to the death penalty would be in. Hold on view, a second. Hold on a second, Scott. Anyway, go ahead. It was just Jesus so, coming to visit. <laughs> I hope you gave him a good tip. Um, <laughs> my, no, I, I don't disagree with that part of Sharia law. I've always, I've proposed half facetiously, but half not that instead of the death penalty have um, five minutes alone in a room. And that is close relatives mm -hmm. of the victim, the perpetrator, the convicted killer is tied to a chair. He can't, he or she cannot move and you can do anything you want. You can bring in power tools, jackhammers, anything you want, or you can forgive them. You I mean, there's any number of things you can do. And uh, I, I kind of like that idea, though. I don't like the idea. I don't know if I'm agree with the whole power tools. That seems a little, you know, yeah. 1970s. Um, something. If someone did something to your son, you don't think you'd want to do that? Uh, yes, but sh I would want to do all sorts of things. And uh, there are certain there are people I would do that to right now. But part <laughs> of the reason that we have society <laughs> is to try to prevent people from doing some of the things that they want to do. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So let's leave that there. Um, and when we come back, we will resume the DMC America podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the DMC America podcast for Friday, February 23rd, 2024. I'm Ted Rawl coming to you from the left. And I'm Scott Stantis, editorial cartoonist coming to you from the right. And tomorrow... Uh, Saturday will be the Republican primary in South Carolina. The Democrats had theirs a couple of weeks ago where Joe Biden won by 96%. He won 96% of the vote. Or in the role as of he, Saddam Hussein. As he likes to say, what? Pudding? Ah, the Kaiser! <laughs> um, so Saturday, we're, Ted and I are going to handicap what's obviously going to happen and what's, you know, what, 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 what to look forward going forward. Um, Mind if I take the lead on this and just say, that, uh, you know, the, every single poll coming out of South Carolina is that Donald Trump is going to win by a substantial amount that you would think that would be the five to thirty five. Yeah, it could be a, it could be a little closer. Bear in mind that Nikki Haley, two term governor of South Carolina, born and raised there, um, 
To most campaigns, this would be devastating, but she has already said that she ain't going anywhere. And I wonder, first and foremost, Ted, my question is, what is her game plan? Because I know on your radio program on Sputnik, the final countdown with Angie, um, oh my, Wong? Oh my gosh. Oh, I got something right. Woo! Two Wongs make it right. (laughs) Oh, that's very funny. Thank you. But she has connections in the Nikki Haley campaign. She certainly speaks that way. I'm curious to know what is Nikki Haley's she has connections in? all over uh, Republican land. land. Yeah. World. Yeah. But she seemed last time I was on, she seemed to have really deep connections in the Haley uh, campaign. Yeah. She's Regardless, never told me that, but I, I, I would, I, I would not be surprised if that was the case. So what is Nikki Haley's, I mean, you get, okay. I live and work here in Alabama. I'm not a native, obviously, you can tell from the accent. But let's assume for a moment I was a two-term governor here. Uh, Mm -hmm. I decide I want to run for president, and I come back to Alabama, and Alabama gives me 35% of the vote. And the rest to the guy who's against Ted Rawl, I'm running against in the primary, which would be a hilarious primary. Um, What? uh, why Why is she not going to quit, or is she just blowing smoke? Well, I mean, convention, I've heard a lot of different explanations. Um, today, Angie said that she thought that um, she's trying to set herself up for a vice presidential run in the future and basically maybe end up running for Senate in South Carolina, because that's the road to the vice presidency is through the Senate these days. I'm going to and- stop you right there and just say that um, the Republican Party will never nominate someone who jumped in, t- in Trump's face. Like she okay, has. so then won't that would it. be that. But who knows? Um, <clears throat> what South I, Carolina won't elect her because <clears throat> she was so mean to Donald Trump, which true. she's not mean at all. Her criticism is pretty soft. But well, no, I mean she's running against him. She's allowed to criticize him, uh, or apparently not. But like in, I mean, my take is that she's basically the Republicans' version of Gavin Newsom. She's a vulture. She's waiting for Trump to fuck up, to die, to get arrested, to somehow whatever get caught you know raping cats or something and then the point is that at that point she steps up and she's like i'm the last i'm the last woman standing here i am everyone else dropped out sorry ron DeSantis, i'm still here i think she she views it as a war of attrition where Mm. she's basically ukraine like if she hangs on she's still as long as she hangs on she's like not dead yet and then if you know something happens to Russia or Trump, then she wins. Um, You know, I mean, it's a strategy. It's certainly true that, uh, you know, never in in the history of modern politics has a politician had as much uh, heat on him as Donald Trump currently does, right? I mean, no question. I mean, this would make Richard Nixon was positively chill and relaxed during Watergate, had far fewer things to worry about than Donald Trump does. So, um, I think he's um, that I think that's probably all that's happening. She's just tr- she's playing for time, you know, and um, I don't think there's any there's much more to it than that. I wonder if she outperforms, if she if she exceeds expectations. Look, she can't win. She will not win. The margin's no. too big. Uh, you're not going to overcome a 65 35 lead in a day or two. But, you know, could what if she pulled kind of an upset like she got 45 55 45 um that would shock maga world and it might Mm. encourage pro haley forces going into super tuesday but the republicans are your party scott i mean what do you think is (laughs) is, are they just is it just trump 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 Trump, and they just don't care no, they don't. And I, I, it makes it, I'm curious how she is performing so badly in her state. Um, uh, I, I'm wondering if, I mean, I don't know if she still lives there. I suspect she does. I have no earthly idea what her roots are. She, like I said, she was born and raised there. So it's not like she, I think she still there. lives there. And if that's the case, then I, you know, Every elected, every, all the constitutional officers, Republican, I think they're all Republican there, uh, endorsed Donald Trump. Not one of them endorsed Nikki Haley. That speaks to me that what the hell's wrong with her? Um, Well, maybe nothing, but I mean, I'll tell you one thing. What's the wrong with, what's wrong with her is that she's a her also and not a him. Also, 
she's technically a woman of color, although you wouldn't know it um, from her name or the way she talks or anything that she does. I mean, she's done everything possible to run away from her South Asian heritage. Uh, and then also, I think if we get down the list to policy, I'm not sure Republican voters do these days, but if they do, they don't. they're going to find some neocon warmongering that the Republican populists do not approve of. Mm. Yeah, there is this movement, and maybe we can dovetail a little bit into that, um, into like they're becoming more and more, and Donald Trump certainly is, a, a 1930s, we joked about it when I was on your show recently, I'm, I consider myself a 1930s isolationist. I really believe that we should just get our nose out of everybody else's business. So you know, Scott, um, I, I was working on an essay a few weeks ago, and I, w- I was kind of wondering, so the U.S. spends almost $900 billion a year Jesus. on the Defense Department. Um, total, when you include other wars and uh, spe- deficit spending, uh, you know, debt service on old wars, you get to a total of $1.6 trillion a year. Now, the thing is, guess how much Brazil spends on their military? And Brazil is a is a larger country than the United States. Um, they they also have security concerns. They have some neighbors who they have border disputes with. They have internal concerns. I mean, it is a it is the most important country in Latin America by far. Um, so it's not like they have nothing to do down there. But in terms of uh, the you know they certainly you could say it's a good comparison to what the U.S. would need just to defend the homeland. Guess how much they spent? We spend one point six trillion a year. Yeah, I'm not sure. What do you mean? They're the same size? Well, they're like geographically, the oh, same land, size land, of oh, the, for the contiguous forty-eight. Yeah, yeah. Well, how much do they spend? I'm going to say five hundred million. Twenty billion. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So they spend two two and a half percent what we spent. Well, now, we obviously are saying that's because we're like all over the world and we're engaged in we have military bases all over the place and we spend like shit like crazy and we give stuff to everyone else and so there's all that right so we're an empire we're not we're not just defending the united it shouldn't be it should not be called the department of defense because they don't really defend the united states i mean as we saw on 911 yeah. they don't know how um <laughs> so it's like i mean literally you know on 911 there were only 12 air force national guardsmen guarding the entire airspace of the United States of America at the time of the attacks of all of the, of the contiguous 48 States, 12 weekend warriors. And not one of them happened to be up in the air when any of this happened, they were all like grab coffee and then, you know, run, run for the plane. Um, So literally there was no air force. I mean, it's not like that in other countries. Uh, You know, they're like in other countries, like I guarantee you, like South Korea has planes in the air 24 seven flying around the perimeter of the country. Um, it's just Iran has that, Russia has that, China has that. Uh, it's just, it's you know, France has that. It's very weird that we don't do that. Or maybe we do it now, but we didn't do it back then. Um, anyway, I, I think that like the, yeah, I mean, I'm curious though about this where, I mean, Trump won in large part because of his America first, quit fucking around with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm vibe in 2016 i wonder how he would handle uh the israel hamas conflict if he were to become president again um i i don't know the i mean the lay of this is a rapidly moving story i'm pretty sure that by the time inauguration day rolls around there the war will in gaza will be over uh the population will have been completely expelled and uh they'll be egypt's problem but the West Bank will be hot and and Israel will be bombing and invading the West Bank and trying to do the same thing there. Um, what will, how does, how will he navigate that? Cause he's so pro Israel, mm-hmm. but he's not into the, would he make an exception for that war or would he just sort yeah. of try to figure a way to bring it in for a landing? No, I, well, I think he would try to bring it in for a landing clearly, but I mean, I don't know that he has the tools and I don't know that Israel wants to be landed. So no, they don't. um, No, not, they're not done yet. They're almost done. (laughs) They're getting close to being done. Yeah. Um, I suspect that he would handle it the same way the Biden administration is, which is like, oh, 
boy, yeah, I, I wish it weren't doing that, but, but we huh, I guess you got it. You got to be you. <laughs> yeah. And, but the problem <laughs> is, I think that like he's getting pressure, Biden and the Democratic Party are getting pressure, not from just the progressive left, but also from the right wing, Rand Paul wing of the Republican Party. They don't like what they see. And um, and they think that, like, if Israel's going to do what Israel's going to do, they can do it without U.S. money or weapons. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I mean, we've had this discussion before. It's not, there, no way in God's green earth is that money going to stop, period. Well, we shall see. I, I think I think okay. currently you're probably right. But I think never has the United States looked more diplomatically isolated or foolish um, they are literally at the G20, the only pro-Israel country. Um, the at, at the at the UN, uh, I mean, sorry, at the uh, International Court of Justice, um, they looked positively foolish, arguing in favor of Israel. Their arguments in favor of Israel were infantile, really poorly constructed, embarrassing. I mean, it was just like they have a right to defend themselves. It's like, yeah, but. Well, the court, the court certainly bought the, that argument. They didn't uh, go full genocide on Israel. Well, they, they, they don't have a mechanism to do that for several years, unfortunately. But um, they're still trying to figure out whether they could issue it, whether they're going to issue a preliminary kind of finding that Israel should tamp it down. I think they will. I mean, they'll have to. I suspect they will, too. So let's tie this up and we're going to have one segment left. Yes, we will. All right, here we go. Okay. And away we go. And finally today, this is the third and final segment of the DMZ America podcast for Friday, February 23rd, 2024. Coming to you from the American left, such as it is, I'm Ted Rawl. Coming to you from the Lithuanian right, I'm Scott Stantis, editorial cartoonist. That's redundant. Lithuanians are inherently right-winger, right-wing. No, they're not. They have like national health care there. That's a damn oh, guys. that's a good point. I just think <laughs> of Lithuanian culture as being like... Is it? How do you get that? I don't know. Well, you know, you know. speaking of which, and, and this does dovetail into our, uh, our final topic, um, okay. I was wondering what you thought of this. Uh, there was a, The AP had a piece, I posted it on my socials today, um, Talk where they it's about the uh, marking the second anniversary of the uh, of the Russian invasion of Ukraine on February twenty second, twenty twenty two, two 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 right. Um, the the um, the um, the uh, uh, president of Ukraine, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, was uh, at a ceremony in a cemetery. In the background, there are tons and tons of flags. Half of them are are Ukrainian. And the other half are fascist. Uh, they're from the, they're the red and black, there's the red and black uh, uh, collaborationist uh, World War II fascist flag uh, in favor of, of, uh, the fa of you know, neo-Nazism. And then there's the Iron Cross flags also from the same period of the Stefan ben Bander Bandera. I'll have to period. see that. I didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's, you could just see it. It's, the, it's literally the AP story for, um, for 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 today about um, Ukraine, and I was just thought it was hilarious that like they're not even trying to. I mean, I just think, I guess they figure Americans just see flags; they don't really know anything. No, well, no, of course not. Most people don't. I mean, I'm a flag you know geek, so I know this stuff. Um, but no, for the most part, no. Um, Ukraine is now grousing that they are running out of bullets. They're running out of ammunition. Yeah. They've had to pull out of uh, Donetsk uh, stronghold and the Russians have moved back in. And I don't say this with glee. People somehow get into their heads that I'm like, woohoo, Russia's winning. Yay. No, I'm no, not. you were, you were very, very much uh, have been in support uh, of Ukraine in this whole thing. Right. And I still think that they should hold on to their sovereignty and as I would any country, but the fact, here's the facts on the ground, folks, is that Russia has won the war that Russia probably wanted to fight with to begin with. They didn't want a wholesale invasion. Putin, I'm not sure how he stumbled into it because it was just stupid. But they're going to get what they wanted, which is the Donetsk is either going to be have autonomy or it's going to be ceded to, the, to Russia. 
The Crimea is, or Crimea rather, is going to stay Russian. Um, the land that Russia has, uh, you know, overrun, they're going to keep. Uh, that's the only way you're going to have peace. Now, you could have this be a slog that lasts for years and years and years, which seems to be the American MO. But I happen to agree with people who question the money. Now, Ted, uh, here's a technical question I, I couldn't find an answer to, and maybe you can. When they say, we're going to give Ukraine $90 billion in aid, mm. which is not far, which they have done once. Do they give them like, do they, does some American diplomat show up with a big check on phone core, like an oversized lottery no. check? No. Now, does this come in the does this come in the guise of bullets? Here's a here's a truckload of missile launchers. Here's some tanks. So it's so basically yes, that's how it works. Um, but basically, the way it works is first there's what they call the appropriation. So Congress appropriates, let's say, I think it's sixty billion that uh, you that Congress at the Biden White House is trying to get through Congress for Ukraine that's stalled. So let's just say that that passes, then that's appropriated. And then the, the funds have to be dispersed. So the money the, the money can be dispersed in one of two ways. Um, it can be either wired directly as cash. Uh, it's actually, as a parenthetical, fascinating. When the U.S. was uh, allied with the Soviet Union during World War II, um, the U.S., uh, Fort Knox literally sent bars of gold bullion via ship to the Soviet Union. They transferred them uh, as funding for the Soviet war effort against the Germans. Um, but this, yeah, in this day and age, they would wire the money or um, they'll, or they'll, and they will also send weapon systems. They'll say, well, um, you know, we're sending you this HIMARS missile. It's worth this amount. So we subtract that from the 60 billion. And that's kind of like how they do it. So um, it's a uh, so it's a com so basically it's a combination of like cash and in kind. Probably most of it in this case would be in kind. It'll come as It'll come as weapons and ammunition. But I'm also suspecting that given like most of our allies doing air quotes here, the Zelensky family probably has a bank account in the Caymans. That There's a lot very... of evidence that the Zelensky uh, that Zelensky is extremely corrupt. Um, some people say he may be already have become a billionaire as a result of this war. Well, for Del Castro, when he died, he was one of the richest men on the planet because right. all the aid that poured into Cuba poured into the Castro family coffers. And... Now that's not always the case, but that's often the case. Yeah, no question. Well, you know, guy has to look out for himself. It's sort of like when the you know how you know where presidents of Mexico end up. Connecticut. Huh. No corruption there at all. Um, okay. So going forward with this, I mean, I understand the, uh, the, the wanting to support Ukraine. I think that ship has sailed. And I, again, ni neither Ted nor I say that with any glee. It's just the practical side of things. Now it's time to negotiate the peace. I hate to hand Putin another win, what he did to Georgia, what he's done to other countries. I mean, is it really region? that bad to end up with this result? And the reason I ask that is because, first of all, I mean, obviously, anything that ends the war is good by definition. But I mean, even with this end result, I mean, in a way, aren't we just ending up with borders that make more sense than the ones that existed before the war, where basically... Uh, everything that lies on the Russian that R Russia will end up with, there's no land there that is majority Ukra ethnic Ukrainian. It's majority Russian, U Russian, you know, um, ethnic Russian. These are people who want to be part of Russia, always wanted to be part of Russia. And due to it didn't matter when they were all together in the USSR. But, you know, it's like imagine I think a good comparison is imagine if the U.S. split apart the same exact way that the Soviet Union split apart. And then we end up with 50 different states instead of 15 different so former Soviet republics. Right. Um, there's there's going to be some borders that kind of might make some sense, like Texas kind of makes some sense. Uh, but, you know, California doesn't really make sense. Um, Northern and Southern California would probably break apart 
Um, they don't really have much in common. Um, in, you know, I think about like the New York, New Jersey border doesn't make any sense. Um, really, like North Jersey belongs with New York because culturally it's like New York. Uh, even ethnically, <laughs> it's like New York. It's like a lot of, you know, Blacks, Italians and Irish, right? I mean, they, they have similar accents, similar culture. Um, and, and so, I mean, my point is that like in Ukraine, you have like this eastern the far east of ukraine which is currently under russian occupation uh is that that area is ethnically russian it should be in russia it should have been in russia to yeah I, but that was the russianization uh under stalin and khrushchev and then Brezhnev. sure that, but, that, but that's but there we are no i know but the, you could say the same is true of the baltic states they moved a lot of ethnic russians in lithuania i'm lithuanian i'm part my name is lithuanian so i have a you know a dog in this fight the uh, I believe Vilnius, the capital, is the Russian ethnic Russian population was somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty five percent. That's an old number. I'm not sure it's. Still yeah, I'm sure that it's high. down now, but it's still significant. And someone you know get beats up a Russian um, national, and Putin's going to go. Ah, oh, got must go in and take care to to protect the Russian brother. Um, that was the whole gist on all the other invasions he's had over the last decade. That's where the fear is. And so with and in terms of the, the the border of Ukraine, you and I both know history pretty well. Ukraine does not have set the, the border of Ukraine is about as malleable <laughs> and fungible as I'm trying to think of some I've been I'm trading water trying to think of something clever here. Gumby. No, it's not. No, it's not even that firm. It is like it's like it's like fog. I mean, it contracts, it expands, but it's sure. never quite, you know. Well, there's so, no natural barriers, really. No, but you could say, but that was the, those were the nationally recognized borders of Ukraine. And for uh, Putin to move in militarily, you know, I, I will always oppose that. But, you but know, you that's, could, but I mean, Putin's not really wrong when he says that, look, there is, a, look, there's a distinct Ukrainian culture for sure. But in that part, he's wrong about that. But he's right when he sort of says, like, come on, it's a vassal state of Russia. It always has been. And he's right about that. That's sort of yeah, like, but it's, not like Canada. Really. it's Canada. Canada's not. They don't get to be sassy. It's a vassal state of the United <laughs> States. They even make their coins. They look the same as ours. As my children call it, Canada, America's hat. <laughs> it's, I mean, sorry, Canadians. You don't really have a distinct culture. You're like just we we just haven't gotten around to invading you, and and make and keep it that way. Don't well, don't. I, th I think that I think we have to watch them because, quite frankly, Ted, they've been too goddamn quiet up there. No, that's, they're <laughs> being quiet so that we don't notice. And that's what the that it? if the Ukrainians it had any brains, well, well, they did until 2014, and you know, frankly, they were pushed into it by the CIA and the neo Nazis to have this coup in 2014. Uh, but now it's like. I mean, come on! It's like no, no, no superpower would tolerate sassiness on their border. Like if Mongolia gets sassy, China's gonna take it. Like, don't get sassy. Who do you think you are? Fuck off! That's, really? Because did you know that only six percent of the Chinese population lives in the western part of the state of the country? I think that's amazing to me. Oh yeah, no. If you go there, you see that. Like, basically, nobody lives out there. It's all desert. Well, I, I liked it. I lived in Arizona. I liked it there. Well, not that many people live in Arizona. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, what? In Arizona, Phoenix in, is in Phoenix, Phoenix is the fifth do. biggest city in the country. Yeah, and but it's that's insane. Be... It's part of the reason that the Colorado River is is drying up. Yeah, no kidding. I walked uh, the uh, Grand Canyon rim to rim a couple a year or two ago, and it is um, it is very low when you cross yeah. the the Colorado. Anyway, um. So, okay, so President Rawl, mm. um, you're at your press conference. Scott Stannis, Chicago Tribune. Do you, would you support the aid package currently going through the Congress for Ukraine or not? No, um, because we're not going to, in this country, we don't throw good money after bad. It's already pretty obvious that there's no world in which Ukraine is going to prevail in this. Furthermore, um, we it's time to you know use this time to find out if the Russians are amenable to a peace accord. Uh, we can withdraw just 
keep the lines frozen where they are now. As long as uh, the what remains of Ukraine is guaranteed and its territorial integrity is guaranteed by Russia, we will be fine with it. Let it lie. Well, yeah, see, I can I, I would say this. I would peg the aid to um, negotiating with um, for peace. That's a good idea. For peace. You could say like, okay, well, yeah, you you can have the sixty billion, but you're going to have to sit down for negotiations. This will buy you the breathing space to do that, but you have to yeah. be serious about the negotiations, right? And that's that. Therein lies the rub. So, but I, I do believe that there is. Um, I'm sorry. I have no idea what that's about. Um, don't you love getting messages like you? You must take care of this right now. And I'm like, no, I don't have to. Don't want to. I'm doing a podcast. Leave me the fuck alone. Fuck off. <laughs> so, yeah. What? And I, I, if I was Russia, I would be. If they get to neg serious negotiations, then they can be somewhat contrite. They can say, okay, we'll give you back. Zumpa Loompa or some other little town. You know, they can yeah, make I mean, some concessions. There's a little bit of territory that Russia could give up. But well, I mean, Russia, honestly, what what should Russia really give up? I mean, they, they don't have to. They won. Yeah, they won. He won. And I, I, again, I don't like that, but that's where we are. That's where I mean, you can't, you can't deny it. That's where we are. And and I would end, and I would end the sanctions also. Well, and that's I would put that definitely have that on the table when I'm negotiating this piece that, and that um, Russia could have some form of Marshall plan to help rebuild the parts of Ukraine that have maybe been that would be the trade off. damaged. Maybe that'd be the trade off. Like you um, will bring you back into the, uh, into the European economy. Um, so you'll have increased trade and revenue, more, more energy sales, and that will allow you the money that you can, you can use for the time being to help Ukrainians rebuild. That, that seems fair. Okay. Well, although the Ukrainians won't use the money to rebuild, they'll just give it to Zelensky in his numbered account, but you know, whatever. Well, there's, but that's, that's their business. I would also make it contingent on Ukraine should have to have elections again, suspend martial law and go back to being a democracy. Well, we, I'd like that because it would, it puts the lie to we're defending democracy. Because you can't defend a democracy that's not having, you know, democracy. That's it's, it's hard to justify that. So it is very hard to justify it. So here we go. Let's uh, leave that there. Okay. Scott, where can people find your other stuff besides the DMZ America podcast? You can go to gocomics.com slash Scott Stantis to see my editorial cartoons. You can go to gocomics.com slash Prickly City and see my political comic strip. You can go to chicagotribune.com slash opinion and see a gallery of the work I do for them. You can go to dallasnews.com and see the work I do for the Dallas Morning News. And you can hear my mellophilus? Mellophilus? Mellophilus. Thank you. That. Mellophilus voice there on Center Clip. It is a wonderful app. Little podcast, 30 seconds, no longer than five minutes on the given issues of the day. I really love it because when there is a breaking news story, it's where I can get the word out the quickest. And they're a great conduit for that. Uh, Ted, where can we see all things Teddian? Uh, you can go to, among other places, whowhatwhy.org. I actually have a humdinger of a cartoon coming out there tomorrow. Um, and then uh, just a, as a teaser, it's called Electoral Dysfunction. Yeah, see what I did there? Um, anyway, like so that. also going to uh, you can find my work <laughs> at sputnik.com, also gocomics.com slash Ted Rawl and Rawl.com, and of course the show, which you can find on X Spaces or Rumble or Sputnik News, 10 a.m. to 12 noon, Monday through Friday, Eastern Time, the final countdown with me and Angie Wong. And Thanks. I know I've said this before, and I don't, um, you know, but I, I, it bears repeating. It is an excellent show. I listen to it as often as I can. Often when I get up early-ish and I turn it on in my studio, and that's what's fun because you guys are terrific. And then you talk about issues and you have guests that nobody else has. Thank you, Scott. Uh, no, it's worth Much listening appreciated. to. Do it. Do it. Do All it. right. You know and you so want with to. With that, we'll leave that there. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you again next week. Take care. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye.